But if you look at it as just a big wooden box with some strings, some hammers, and you take it all apart, you can say, I can, I can do with this whatever I want. Maybe you can call that freedom of a sort, but the thing you're never going to get out of that wooden box is a beautiful concerto. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. This is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church, Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here on the podcast as usual with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Coke of St. Luke's Anglican Church on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. How are you guys? Excellent. Great, Nick. Yeah, thanks. I'm in the car winding my way toward Hilton Head Island, South Carolina right now with my loving family who spent the last 20 minutes making fun of my podcast introduction. You know, this is Nick Lynn and this is the Stand Firm Podcast. J.D. Coke, <laughs> Matt Kennedy, somewhere in New York. So, you know, that's what I'm dealing with today. <laughs> well, we're excited. Drive safe, or I, I guess. We're looking forward to having you with us. Yeah, I drove the first seven hours or so and she's, she's handling a cleanup stretch. Well, we thought we'd talk about this uh, new aspect of the Christian nationalism conversation. Uh, it's been sort of an ongoing thing for a while now, but recently on MSNBC, they had a Politico correspondent whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, who said that Christian nationalists, unlike other Christians, and as far as I can tell, theists, including our founding fathers, Christian nationalists are those who believe that their rights come from God, not from the government. And of course, Twitter exploded immediately about, you know, have you read the Declaration of Independence, et cetera. Um, where, where do you guys get your rights from? <laughs> yeah, that would be God for me. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I've been following this, this discussion and it's, it's really, it's it's almost it's almost unbelievable. It's almost like maybe she was trolling, you know, they say or something, because it's so it's so um, sort of patently refute or obviously false and easily refuted. I mean, that's that's what's so difficult about it is that it's like a not just a willful ignorance, but almost like a blinding ignorance to at least the way that we would say natural law theology or or even the entire rights discourse has come down to us through through history. I mean, even beginning back with like the Magna Carta, you know, you had like, you had like the beginning, of course, I mean, it's a different world in terms of Christendom. And nevertheless, you know, the, the appeal to the transcendent, it's just however defined, um, has always been the basis for, for human rights, um, which is precisely why you find civilizations that don't have a transcendent, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, author, uh, devoid of those very rights. And so it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was, I haven't yet seen a response from this woman. I don't know if she's given a response yet, but you know, it really is a, uh, it's really, it was almost unbelievable. Like it was, uh, I couldn't really, I couldn't really understand the words coming out of her mouth <laughs> at that, at the time. But it was, I mean, I really, I feel like you're saying that like meaning for the first time, like, wait, what is it, what is happening right now? I mean, you could disagree with it for sure. You know, you could say, well, I'm a deist and I don't think there's a personal God and private personal revelation and so on and so forth. But, but the idea that, that the, there's this pernicious strain of of right wing Christian nationalists who who shock horror had this 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 uh, idea that the rights were you know um, prior to the state actually grounded in the person of God Himself uh, that somehow that was a novel idea 
was just it was unbelievable that that was being communicated and then the other hosts were just nodding along you know oh yeah yeah those, yeah. those but, crazy but, christian nationalists <laughs> if you if you have a worldview then remember that's one of the things that marks a christian nationalist is if you talk about worldview but if you have, <laughs> if you have if you have a worldview that says you know there is there is really no god and that religion is totally a private thing like a the only reason anyone's religious is for you know, therapy value to get to to start feeling better about life than they did before. Um, then then none of the things Christians really talk about make sense. They're all extreme. Like the idea that um, that you would argue not just from the Bible but also from nature and creation that uh, that a sex is supposed to be between, between a man and a woman in marriage. Um, because our bodies are made that way, <laughs> and and the and it 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 seems obvious and obvious to not just to us but to every human being uh, until the last five minutes so that's the way things are supposed to be uh because god made it that way or the gods made it that way or whatever kind of background a person had that was obvious from nature itself uh, but if you think but if you think it's all random because evolution the reason things are the way they are is because evolution has taken control without any kind of any kind of divine hand behind it um, okay then yeah well then it's totally extreme to think that there's some you know fairy god out there who gives people rights and, and who tells people uh who designs people for sex in a certain way no 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 this is all just this is all just random and and so because it's just it's random and doesn't have any meaning we can reshape things as we like and 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 refashion human nature to fit uh to fit our ideology which is what's happening that's right I, I was just shocked that 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 there was it was said as baldly. I mean, I know I've said this point before, but I just can't get past it. Like, I mean, it seems like even if that's which I agree with you, Matt, that's true. Like the evolutionary worldview, atheistic, you know, rejection of God. The the idea that somehow this was either novel or extreme, um, given the the history of Western civilization, was 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 unbelievable to me and and then and, and not refuted at all you're just nodding along and then of course you know if only you're only watching msnbc if you're like one of the 16 people that watches it um you know solely as your news source well then i guess you were just nodding along too with your you know with, with whatever you're um brunching on sunday morning you know watching it and having um you know just your 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 worldview ironically enough i uh, just further perpetuated but, but are these people being taught history or are they being taught uh, you know, woke history. Are they being taught? Are they being? Are they? Being, are, they being, are they being taught history from, you know, critical theory perspectives? So you don't get you don't get what actually happened. Um, you get the the ideological slant on it. So so of course you don't you not you. Well, it doesn't matter what Christians believe. It doesn't matter what the, the their theology is. The reality is they've been oppressors and colonizers. Um, and so and, and it's all and and and. and from that from that perspective, I think you know everything the Christians believe theologically, at least conservative Christians believe theologically, or that all those theological beliefs are really just a mask for a, a grasp for power anyway. Right. So, so you don't need to study you don't need to study the theology. It, don't, it doesn't matter. Um, they need to be taught. They need to be taught that their religion is fine so long as it's kept personal and um, and not impacting anybody else. And of course. Uh, we're we can def we're going to expand the definition of what harm harms other people, so that uh, sooner or later, just expressing a Christian view is going to be harmful. That's and, right. That's right. And and, and offensive. Um, so so 
yeah, it's it's it. I can see from if I if that if that's how you're you've been schooled and that's how most people who go to most colleges are being schooled today. Then of course you you have when a Christian talks, it's like Martian. You, there's no there's no connection point. Her implication really was my right to hurt somebody else and get away with it comes from God. Right. Uh, yeah, she's right because because she was talking about you know the Christians taking away sexual free the sexual revolution right the sexual revolution is this great thing in her mind you know that and but there but did you know there are some Christian nationalists or there there are some Christians who are Christian nationalists who oppose the sexual revolution and you know they're, they're in the in the reproductive uh, health and all the so um, it's just amazing that there are people out there who have these beliefs it's, it was her was her <laughs> was her. Uh, was her was her stance but i guess you're right jd I mean, it's kind of it was kind of bald it was it is uh, uh we're not maybe used to hearing hearing what what was normal 10 years ago spoken of as if it's the most crazy wacko thing um thing in the world but i think that's part of the game plan i mean i was, I was watching another um conversation go down on on x formerly twitter after this after that conversation and uh and the, and this person talks about how the the title Christian nationalism is this is part of the game plan. You just extend it. First of all, you That's make right. it such a, like such a bad thing so that everybody thinks, okay, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to be a Christian nationalist. Um, and then and then you extend the definition of Christian nationalism so that it includes everything the conservatives are for. Um, so so if you're for abolition of abortion, then that's you know you're a Christian nationalist. If you're for whatever whatever it is the left opposes is 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 collected right (laughs) well i have a weekly yeah sorry go ahead matt no i'm finished no i was saying that's why in my rector's forum every week i have your daily weekly inoculation against being worried about being called a christian nationalist (laughs) every week like don't worry here you go here's your vaccine the one that here's your sixth booster for your um do not worry about being called a Christian nationalist. Like I'll be, I'll be looking at, I'll be watching very closely. And if you start start showing some legitimate negative um, tendencies, we'll talk. But until, if if you're just voting your conscience based upon the information given to you through the Word of God for who, what is good, right, and just, well, then um, you know, then don't worry about it. But 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 I agree with you, Matt. It's it's definitely there's a there's a, a there's a concerted effort to frighten. Um, you know, Christians from exercising their conscience. Um, and, you know, and I think that we've seen the great, the great um, uh, sort of issue of the day, namely abortion has, has finally um, clarified these two opposing worldviews for, for lack of a better word. And there really is very little, if any, middle ground between the two. You know, I was listening to Al Mohler this morning and you know, the whole IVF debate, like we talked about last week, like there really is no, no middle ground. It's either a baby or not. And, you know, you just decide when, um, and if you move anywhere other than, than, um, fertilization, well, then you've gotten into arbitrary, um, subjective territory. So it's, it's really, it's really, you know, um, appropriately clarifying. And I think we're seeing it just, just work its way through the whole, political system, the whole, the whole, uh, social system, you know, look down to the States even, you know, I mean, we've got, um, and, and, you know, I, I for one, I'm for it. I mean, I'm, the only thing I'm, I'm bracing myself for is when, um, when, like we've talked about before, when it finally gets to the States, like what happened in Kentucky, you know, you got these ostensibly conservative States that are going to actually side with, with, um, you know, the culture of death, uh, out of convenience sake. 
And that's going to be, um, that's going to be harrowing, you know, um, I mean, I'm bracing myself, I'm praying against that, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic at the moment. Now, JD, you used a phrase earlier that I want to circle back to and maybe give our listeners a definition for, uh, you referred to natural law. Uh, what do you guys mean when you say natural law? What does it refer to? Is it a biblical category? What is it? It is a biblical category insofar as the created order tells us uh, a lot about who God is and about who we are um, and about what's right and wrong. And um, and so uh, maybe one way to explain um, natural law is to, to, to distinguish between that and divine law. So divine law is revealed law. Uh, so God says, you know, uh, I'll take the sexuality thing. God says not to have uh, uh, not for two men not to be together as if uh, they were with a woman um, in Leviticus 18.22. That's divine law, direct command. That's what's said. Uh, we have to obey it because God said it. Um, but then it, let's say there wasn't that law in the scriptures. We didn't see it or we, you hadn't read it yet. Um, could you come to the same conclusion that was wrong? Well, yeah, because because you, you look... Uh, Assuming that this world is is a is an entity that God has made, look at uh, your body and look at the way the male body is is constructed, and the female body is constructed. Well, Paul says as much in Romans one. He says that that these desires are contrary to nature. You know, so right. he's yeah. he's establishing the this particular issue as having warrant outside of um, divine revelation because it's contra. You know, what is it? Contrafusis. It's contrary to nature. Um, and, you know, so there is that there's the, the classically understood, you know, the, the book of like the, the Bible, the divine revelation and the book of nature, you know, they inform, um, you know, they're 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 independent, but they're inter interconnected at the same time. And so, um, so, yeah, so, I mean, divine natural law, I mean, there's a long tradition of it, but I mean, it fundamentally presupposes a, a creator and a divine intent um, and that nature is not. Uh, you know, at the time of the Reformation, it was a big argument about whether or not nature was sufficient in itself. Natural law was sufficient for unto salvation, and the reformers, at least, came down um, you know, with a no, not not entirely sufficient, but it wasn't it wasn't irrelevant at the same time. You know, because Paul talks about Romans one that we were without excuse because because in fact of the the realities of the created order around us pointing to the pointing to the existence of God, and yet we're darkened you know, um, darkened human hearts that must be illuminated through, you know, through preaching, through the proclamation of the gospel. But that being said, um, there's not, it's not, it's not useless as a, as a theological or uh, apologetic concept, the way that some, you know, I, I've been interested, some, some Protestants in particular are very suspicious of natural law. Um, and I think in part because they're reacting to the idea that you could somehow have a sufficient sufficient knowledge of God, you know, sort of outside of divine revelation for salvation, which has been argued. Um, and so, you know, but if you reject that, you can still embrace the, the the goodness of the divine created order and use that as a as a means of, of understanding something more about God. I mean, even Calvin said that, that, that you can't. You never can come to a saving knowledge of God by using just the nature itself. You'll at best come to, you'll come to a knowledge of God, but you'll suppress that knowledge and you'll be subject to wrath, right? But, um, but I think Paul says that. Um, but, you know, he, 
pagans have mathematicians. Pagans have have ethicists. Right. Have, have men and women who have just by the, the study of the way things are have come up uh, with the same conclusions about about truth, about morality, about virtue um, that that Christians have by virtue of both natural and special revelation. That's right. Well, that's why log, the logos concept is so powerful. You know, I mean, in Aristotle and Plato, you know, proceeding and then picked up obviously John applying it to Jesus himself. But you know, this idea of divine order and reason. Um, you know, the Logos uh, was was one of the gifts of, of Greek philosophy to the Hellenized Jews and then picked up by John explicitly, um, which makes sense. You know, I mean, I mean, Aristotle would say things like, you know, the ability for language is like the, the mark of the, the you know, the, uh, what it means to be a human, you know, things like this. And, you know, what is language other than than sort of ordered, um, uh, you know, speech and 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 sort of. Uh, well, yeah, that's what it is. So at any rate, like I think, you know, the natural law is a useful apologetic um, for the continued conversation, contrary to this woman on an MSNBC, about um, about the existence of a God, if not if not ultimately the God. You know, I think this is where that heads, that, 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 that leads. If we're claiming that there not only is a God, but that he has, in fact, revealed himself in a way that we can, to a certain extent, know and understand, it would make all the logical sense in the world that the nature he has created would point to him. That's right. Yeah, and it does. And I, but the, I mean, I guess, um, so you do get a bit of an argument between between reform folks and, uh, and reformation folks, really, and... Uh, Roman Catholics, on the other hand, about about the about the uh, the extent to which natural law can bring a person to a true uh, true knowledge of God, um, the the Calvin would all would insist always that yeah, uh, what we see in nature is is a, is a book that it's a theater of divine glory, um, but uh, but we can't read that theater well unless we have our glasses on, and our glasses are, are the scriptures, yeah. the scriptures. To, to come to a, a an accurate understanding of of what of what we're seeing, otherwise we'll get to it. We'll, we'll progress to a certain point, um, but but when when the heart is threatened with the true knowledge of God, we will we will shut it down because we're, we're hostile. Our my our, sure. our heart won't go there unless grace uh, leads the way, um, and right. so without the gospel, we we will we will ascend maybe so far toward the knowledge of God as to make ourselves guilty, but not far enough to bring ourselves to salvation. Because nature itself was subject to the fall. It cannot adequately point to God because it is broken. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that should be noted just since you mentioned Calvin and Luther, on the other hand, you know, in the off-quoted, um, taken out of context statements about being down with reason or against Aristotle or things like this had nothing to do with his um, his rejection of philosophy in general, but it was precisely against that point. Um, so it's often used, you know, people that are anti-Reformation, in particular anti-Luther, um, specifically often say, well, you know, he was a um, the fittiest, or maybe he was, you know, he was contrary to reason, or look at this quote against Aristotle. And it was entirely to do with the idea that natural law could somehow lead you to a saving knowledge of God outside of the, of the, the preaching of the gospel. So 
Um, but that being said, you know, the way I like to think about it, you know, if you get down to the great sort of apologetics debates between the evidentialists and the presuppositionalists or whatever, you know, is that there's a, there's a, there's a, a wonderful, um, sort of, uh, usefulness for, um, natural law, uh, philosophy, whether it's Christian or not, you know, after your, the eyes of your heart have been illuminated, you know, it's according, uh, Ephesians. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's not that natural law doesn't have a wonderful place and a long valued tradition. It's just that it's not the gospel, but it certainly is part of the revelation of God into the world. So in some ways it functions like the law, right? Cause I mean, uh, and if, because what the law does is it reveals your guilt and, and drives you to Christ. Uh, but natural, the natural revelation does uh, the same thing. In fact, I, I was reading, um, an apologist, a reformed apologist, who doesn't happen to be a, uh, a uh, yeah. so. he's an evidentialist. He's not a, a Fantilian. Uh, uh, and he was saying one of the purposes of apologetics, at least. You mean Paul, Paul Line? He was, he was, was <laughs> trying to show the evidence for the existence of God, for example. Is to is is not so that you think that by reason you're going to get this person to agree, but it is by it is because you're you're getting that person right to the point where there's no more excuse, That's right. and and then then the weight of the conscience is something that you can then lead that person with along with the gospel message and let God do what He's going to do. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I think like Francis Schaeffer said that you know you need people. Uh, to the logical ends of their false assumptions. You know, this is where you, um, so, you know, like if you took this MSCPC reporter, you'd say, okay, let's take the idea that the Supreme Court, um, you know, and, and that the rights are bestowed upon people by, you know, 51% majority or whoever the elected government is. Let's just walk down that road a little bit, um, you know, back to the duly elected Hitler, for instance, or or more, more no- recently, like the outrage that you probably yourself had over the, audacity of the Supreme Court to overturn uh, Roe versus Wade, you know, so like, is that the world you, you, you know, you could disagree with me about uh, Roe versus Wade, but we're certainly not placing our um, ultimate um, sense of authority in the, those nine people that have been appointed, you know, or, or maybe you are, let's just walk that out, you know, and I think that's what, um, but, but I think even if you had that conversation, we're going to see that the real outworkings of Romans one, because even if you, you know, you could point out the the illogical fallacies of that argument. At the same time, in order to uh, in order to uh, maintain the the rights of the sexual revolution and all and abortion and things, there would still be a willful rejection of even the clear logical outcomes of the absurdity of her position. And so, I think. You know, I don't know. I don't see a lot of way forward other than preaching louder and more, um, <laughs> more persistently for uh, for the hope of the future of the uh, uh, country. Because this divide seems to be um, not just deep but growing. It seems like you know, since Adam and Eve, after the fruit, since Cain and Abel, and in every society throughout the history of time, in every individual heart, there has been that that existential rub between the way things are and the way things ought to be. And that points to one who is perfect and who demands perfection. And that's God. And that's pre, pre-government, pre-anything. And I think that our founders understood that and wrote it down. And that, that natural 
law that we are by nature drawn to understand that there is a thing better than us that we are called to worship and find out about. Um, it's just, I don't, it's such a crazy thing to think that this woman, assuming that she actually meant what she said and that there's anybody in the world who agrees with her, they have excised the creator of all things, making themselves have to fill that role. And that's just an incredibly dark and weighty place to live your life. There's no hope there. Well, there, there are two groups of people who, in particular who agree with her. And that on the one side would be the fascists, on the other side would be the communists. Um, and in and, and, and this, they're both, they both want everybody to believe that their rights come from the total state. That's right. That's right. And, and, and so they're, they're, they're really both philosophies of the left, even though, even though they're all often paired off against one another as right versus left. So both, they're both leftist theologies because, or ideologies, um, because both don't inherit a world, the world as a given to which we must, by God's design, conform ourselves. That's, that's a conservative position. That's a rightward conservative position. Both see the world as something that must be shaped. They both, both, both fascism and communism flow out of an evolutionary mindset um, where we are the gods. Um, we we bring about a new reality. What what it, what we're given in the world is just like putty to be crafted into our own new new world. And and in the process of crafting that new world, sure, we're gonna have to crack some heads and bleed some people out. But um, but we're gonna we're gonna get there. And and the way we get there is you need to you need to know that you do you have no inalienable you have no inalienable rights given to you by God. Uh, the rights come from the state, and so you obey. That's right. I think that's exactly why, you know, explicitly or, well, implicitly, but if not explicitly, uh, it's increasingly the case. You see the attack against uh, the family and against parental rights um, because parental rights are obviously something that are pre-state or pre-government uh, because, you know, you, you're you born into a, you know, a monarchy, a totalitarian, a communist, you know, you're born into whatever government you're born into. Um, and if that government, like it cannot precede your rights, at least, at least, um, uh, temporally, you know, I mean, but, but nevertheless, it's, it's increasingly encroached upon, uh, precisely to your point, Matt, because if there is no, you know, if, if there's no, if there's no God, then parents are meaningless just in the same way that your, your past is meaningless and we can create new meaning for you. Um, you know, as soon as we can get your kid from you and reeducate him, um, away from you. And this is, you know, this is it's 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 not even a it's not even a secret it's not a conspiracy like this is the stated end of the people who are in charge of well the people who particularly were in charge of uh, putting together our public school system in the u.s um so you know it took two or three generations and here we are um you know heidi prezubra or whatever however you pronounce her last name apologies to whoever of our listener shares a similarly last name but um, but you know she's a product of this, obviously, and this is the the the, the full flowering of um, of a distinct and specific ideology, um, trying to undercut the idea of of divine right and natural law. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how I, it's kind of ironic that um, because people do hate things like homeschool so much because it it preserves that link between parent and, and child. Um, and and doesn't let the the state get in between them and and indoctrinate the children and separate the two, um, but it's it's interesting <laughs> how ironic it is that 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 um, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself as kind of a 
a uh, conspiracy theorist here, but um, but you know, COVID, which we've always known, Matt, we've always known. That's right. Come COVID, on, which, that's right. This whole whatever, this whole podcast has been in, in preparation for this next statement. Uh, <laughs> one long, one long, one long intervention that was paid for and, and financed by your wife, Matt. So there you go. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think about the origins of COVID, I mean, we all know it came from the Wuhan lab, whatever. Whatever you, whatever you think about why it was why why it came to pass that the whole world got hit with this thing. Um, whether it was some evil design or not, we I, I we we definitely I think can all now agree that that various states around the world took advantage of it, um, and in in order to try and exert power and gain more authority over everybody, and and so, uh, but ironically, what that did was it drove more people into the homeschooling movement. So, so <laughs> you have a, a much bigger homeschool uh, population or, or, or classical school, private private school, whatever population now than you had before before covid and then a lot of those people are not going back um i'd say majority so there's an irony that the 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 the, the effort to gain more power and authority over people's lives actually may have may have begun to break the machine open amen well and you know it's not surprising in light of all this in, in addition to that that you know people are pushing legalized marijuana or governments pushing legalized marijuana easy access to pornography you know uh you have to have abortion and birth control if you're going to have um you know um sort of free love for lack of a better word and i forget who maybe it was on the podcast maybe they were quoting chesterton saying that the easiest thing to give um the easiest thing to give a slave would be free sex you know something like that like the easiest like that would be the you know, oh, is that all you want? You know, sure, I'll take your freedom and we'll give you, you know, the, the lowest hanging uh, fruit we can. And I think, um, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, you had more people not only watch the Super Bowl, but bet on something like, I forget the, the number, but multiple tens of billions of dollars were bet on the Super Bowl. And and you put all of this together and you, you say, well, we pray that there are people who are waking up, you know, who are who are sort of realizing that, you know, maybe my life shouldn't be sent or spent um, simply the pursuit, the pursuit of pleasure, you know, aimless pleasure and sort of, um, you know, wanton, uh, reckless abandon. Um, and you see that you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, people waking up, parents, parents taking stock of where they're sending their children, you know, what, what we're doing with our own lives, our own bodies, or what we're ingesting or not ingesting. And, and I'm hopeful in that respect. I just think that, um, you know, that it's like, who was it James Lindsley said, Nick, you remember in, the, in that book, what was the book um, that he wrote uh, uh, about, um, shoot, Nick, remember Helen Pluckrose, James Lindsley wrote the book? Cynical Theories. Cynical Theories, right. In Cynical Theories, he says, you know, the, 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 the good news about these false ideologies is that ultimately they will fail because they're lies. It's like the problem is, is that there's a heck of a lot of damage they can do in, you know, 70 years of communism, even though it ultimately fell. It's like you can put quite a hit on someone. And that's what I'm worried about. You know, it's the father and hopefully eventually the grandfather um, down through the, the ages um, is trying to prepare and and sort of shepherd my own children for the possibility, at least, of a world full of um, women and men like this MSNBC reporter who are um, who are convinced that that or who are ignorant of the past and and then convinced, um, you know, that, that rights are something that are bestowed upon the government and, and so on and so forth. And that's 
that's um, chilling to consider. And yet here we are, you know, the church, we have the gospel, we have people, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to bring, you know, enlightenment and and raise the, the dead in unbelief to new life and faith. And, you know, where we see that happening, um, you see people's lives transformed and changed and hope restored and all the things. And so, you know, as much as there is cause for concern, you know, I think ultimately it's not a Christian thing to despair. The lie is too big to last. It's too big. I mean, I was, I was, I was going to go back to what Matt was saying about whether or not the world is made up of things that we have to investigate to find out what the Lord intended them for, or if it's so much raw material that we can make of it whatever we want. The, the great lie is that freedom is the latter, that you get to decide what everything means and how everything ought to be used, when in reality that's slavery. And I, I like to use the example of a piano. If you walk up to a piano and figure out how it was built and intended to be used, you can produce wonderful symphonies. Maybe not symphonies, piano concertos, let's say. But if you look at it as just a big wooden box with some strings, some hammers, and you take it all apart, you can say, I can, I can do with this whatever I want. Maybe you can call that freedom of a sort, but the thing you're never going to get out of that wooden box is a beautiful concerto. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, Oswald Bayard used the Greek autopoiesis, you know, this idea of self-creation is the height of slavery. And that's the height, you know, throne or, or uh, Heidegger, you know, the throne, the throneness, Gewürtenheit, the throneness of the person is the is the height of existential angst. You know, you're 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 thrown into the world and then you, you know, you surface and you're supposed to claw out of it meaning and purpose and um, and that was a picture of, of hell, frankly, you know, I mean, that's a hellscape. And so, you know, it's like, um, the people will persist in that until they're delivered. And so I think that's, you know, that's what, um, that's what our job is in part, um, help bring that be the vehicles for that deliverance. Um, but, uh, but certainly it seems needed, you know, and I think that's where, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what keeps me, keeps me going at least. <laughs> Remind me what you just said uh, about that line in The Great Divorce, where I think it's the, the Episcopal guy is talking about hell that he's just left. And or actually, the, his, his friend is saying, you know, we've been hell. The Episcopal ghost says, oh, we use that kind of place. Not we like to think of it as an everlasting just before dawn moment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. My favorite. One of my favorite vignettes in that entire book. And then they, he talks about being so strong and courageous, the Episcopal, the, the bishop, remember? And, so, right. and then the, and the guy castigates him by saying, what position did we ever take to put us at odds with anyone of any consequence in the world, you know? And I said, well, um, that's, uh, well that's, a, that's a topic for a whole other podcast. Right. Um, we should read Bishop, uh, quote-unquote, Archbishop Stephen Cottrell's new book about the Christ that I just bought on Kindle because I can't bring myself to, uh, oh, no. to, put, to pay real money for it, but I can't wait to, uh, to, to see what he's got to say about... Um... Horrible. How do you... That's really my wife. You just put yourself through reading these horrible, horrible books. Well, I like it. I feel like it's it's like intellectual sparring, you know. I could, I, and I wouldn't even. I mean, he's not even like Apollo Creed. If I'm if I'm Rocky, he would be like, you know, uh, like a. But but um, 
Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I find it's interesting because, you know, to make sure that, uh, that you're, you're still, you still got the, um, you know, so sharp, but, but anyway, do you guys want to proclaim some good news to our listener? You, you have rights. They were given to you by almighty God. They come with some responsibilities, including worship and obedience, but that you have a savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, isn't there's good news that there is a prior God that you don't have to submit yourself to the state as your final savior. Amen. That's the, that's the good Amen. news. There you go. That's well said, Nick. All right. Well, I guess we can be done for this week then. Thank you so much for listening to stand firm. This is, um, I don't have any of my notes in front of me, so I'm winging this closing. This is, uh, we are, we are almost, I think all the way to provincial assembly. We'd love a little bit more support to get us all the way there. Thank you so much for those of you who've already supported us. Um, we do so appreciate you listening. You can, as always, send in questions or comments to the mailbag at Stanfirm. What is it? Mailbag at StanfirmInFaith.com, or you can join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks, as always, to Matt Kennedy and J.D. Koch. I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. 